Law 35. Master the art of timing. Never seem to be in a hurry. Hurrying betrays a lack of control over yourself and over time. Always seem patient as if you know that everything will come to you eventually. Become a detective of the right moment. Sniff out the spirit of the times, the trends that will carry you to power. Learn to stand back when the time is not yet ripe and to strike fiercely when it has reached fruition. Time is an artificial concept that we ourselves have created to make the limitlessness of our eternity and the universe more bearable and more human. Since we have constructed the concept of time, we are also able to mould it to some degree, to play tricks with it. The time of a child is long and slow with vast expanses. The time of an adult whizzes by frighteningly fast. Time then depends on perception, which we know can be willfully altered. This is the first thing to understand in mastering the art of timing. So what happens if we want to have a more childlike perception of time than a more adult-like perception of time? What if we want time to kind of slow down how we used to think it may? Well, as he said, we need to alter our perception. Now, perception is usually tainted with emotion. If the inner turmoil caused by our emotion tends to make time move faster, it follows that once we control our emotional responses to events, time will move much more slowly. This altered way of dealing with things tends to lengthen our perception of future time, opens up possibilities that fear and anger close off, and allows us the patience that is the principal requirement in the art of timing. So it's really understanding that our emotions can cloud our perception of time. Our emotions really can cloud our judgment of everything. And considering time is the only asset that we cannot gain back, or one of the only assets we cannot take back, then we need to understand to take control of our emotion is to take control of our time. To take control of our perception is to take control of our time, is to take control of our life. I think more often than not, erratic, um, more negative charged emotions can move time in a more rapid pace, or move the perception of time, I should say. And I think it can because we often dwell when we have erratic, sparse emotions run through us. We often dwell in, through a depression, we, we kind of come closed in, we feel bad for ourselves, and, and this dwelling can poison our minds, and by this poison, we, we don't realize how long it's been. But I, I just know that when I go through negative emotions, when people go through, through more depressive emotions, that time moves by quicker. And I think that's why, because we're not as present, because we're not taking in the reality of our situation. Robert discusses three types of time, each presenting problems that can be solved with a certain skill or practice. The first is this idea of a long time. Long time is this idea of drawn out, years long kind of time that must be managed with patience and gentle guidance. A handling of long time should be mostly defensive. This is the art of not reacting impulsively. It's waiting patiently for the opportunity. It's biding our time. It's really life. Long time. There's a story of this 17th century Ming painter Chao Yung. I really love this story because I think it, uh, I think it represents, it represents everyday life right here. It represents uh, a problem that we all come across. So Yung was set to visit this town and he was bringing some important books and papers with him and he had commissioned a young boy to help carry them. But as the ferry neared across the river, Young asked the boatman if they would have enough time to get to the town before the gates closed, since it was a mile away and night was approaching. The boatman glanced at the boy and the bundle of loosely tied papers and books and he said, Yes, but if you do not walk too fast, 
Do not walk too fast. We have to be in a hurry. Which we have to go somewhere quickly. We have time. Is time is on our is not on our side. So that's the initial thought you think when someone says that. If you do not walk too fast. As they started out, however, the sun was setting. Afraid of being locked out of the town, Young and the boy walked faster and faster. And finally, they break out into a run. And suddenly, the string of papers around broke, and the documents scattered everywhere. And it took them many minutes to pick up these papers and put them together again. So by the time they'd reached the gates, it was too late. And what's the moral of this story? When you force the pace out of fear and impatience, you create a nest of problems that require fixing. You end up taking much longer than if you had taken the, your time. Hurriers may occasionally get there quicker, but papers fly everywhere, new dangers arise, and they find themselves in constant crisis mode, fixing the problems that they themselves have created. Sometimes not acting in the face of danger is your best move. You wait, you deliberately slow down in the face of perceivably limited time. You think you have limited time, but you still slow down on purpose. As time passes, it will eventually present opportunities you had not imagined. Now, I myself, I probably uh, hurry and rush and try and get things done quickly a lot of the time. And I, I, I mean things that are more mundane tasks of our lives for like literally walking across your house, walking across the place you live. I usually don't go slow. It's just a habit I've created for myself. I usually go fast. I walk fast or I run. I run upstairs. I don't walk upstairs. I, I go two, three steps at a time because, because I'm trying to get there quick, man. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get to what I'm. I'm trying to get where I'm trying to go quicker. Now I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I've saved dozens of hours of my life speeding through things like that, speeding through the mundane little things that um, that people take their time with, like walking through their house by, you know, I don't know, preparing some food. Uh, every little life task that you can think of I'm trying to do quick now this has worked out for me great sometimes so sometimes it hasn't for example when I leave my house to go somewhere and I get the things I need to get ready I put everything make sure I have everything on me you know you gotta check your keys you gotta check your wallet you gotta check this 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 um, you gotta make sure you're prepared for where you're gonna go oftentimes when I'm rushing to do these things I will have left my house gotten in my car and then realized I had forgotten something therefore going back into my home to grab something again oftentimes this, this has happened sometimes two or three times where I've gone into the house three times because I had rushed and because I had forgotten something because I had been impatient and then it, and then I ended up taking much longer than if I had taken my time so I've I've messed this this up too so if I had deliberately slowed down if I had deliberately being present and taking my time then the opportunity of not forgetting would have been my reality waiting involves controlling not only your emotions but those of your colleague who mistaking action for power may try to push you into make making rash moves in your rivals on the other hand you encourage the same mistake if we're talking about power if we're talking about competition if you let them rush ahead into trouble while you stand back and wait you will still soon find right moments to intervene and pick up the pieces this is this is can happen all over sport over competition letting your competitor rush ahead and make a mistake you take the advantage see when your mind is uncluttered by constant emergencies you will see further into the future second you will be able to resist the baits that people dangle in front of you and you will keep yourself from becoming another impatient sucker third you will have more room to be flexible opportunities will inevitably arise that you have not expected and would have missed had you had forced the pace 
sure there's opportunities I've missed many times because I've forced the pace trying to get through things quickly. Fourth, you will not move from one deal to the next without completing the first one. Do not be a flash in the pan. Success that is built up slowly and surely is the only kind that lasts. Flash in the pan, you know those one hit wonders, the, the five minutes of fame, celebrities or artists, quote unquote business people who are selling things and have a quick rise to fame, make quick money and then in the long term, they're caught out. They're caught out because you can only fake it for so long. You can only have this success for so long when you're, when you're selling yourself on a lie. So don't do that. Be patient. This thing's going to take years. This thing's going to take decades. This thing I'm building right now with my life, this personal brand, Alexandalis, 0.1% of the world know who me and what I'm about, right? If I want 1%, 2% of the world to know, which is still a humongous number, then I have already come to terms with that I'm, I need to be patient so patient that I'm going to be doing this for decades in one way or another. I'm going to be doing it until I die. And so then I think I've already been successful through that. I've already won because I've come to realize the patience I have to have and how long it's going to actually take. The second perception of time is forced time. This is the short-term time that we can manipulate as an offensive weapon that we can use to upset the timing of our opponents. So the point of forced time is to make your competitors, to, to make your rivals hurry, make them make mistakes. Make them abandon their pace to distort their perception of time, to confuse them. And while on the other hand, you stay patient and do the opposite. Making people wait is a powerful way of forcing time. As long as they don't figure out what you're up to, you control the clock, they linger in limbo and rapidly come unglued, opening up opportunities for you to strike. The opposite effect is equally as powerful. You make your opponents hurry, start up your dealings with them slowly, and suddenly apply the pressure, making them feel that everything is happening at once. People who lack the time to think will make mistakes. So you set deadlines for them. You test people. We talked about the famous art dealer Joseph Devine many times over these over these laws. And so what Joseph would do is that he would give an indecisive buyer like John D. Rockefeller a deadline. He would conjure up this story of how the paintings had to leave the country quickly because another tycoon was interested in them. So the client would need to buy them quickly. They didn't want to lose the opportunity or the perception that Devine had created of losing the opportunity. Sigmund Freud noticed that patients who had spent years in psychoanalysis without improvement would miraculously recover just in time if he fixed a definite date for the end of the therapy. He placeboed them to fix themselves. Now, the first thing that I think of is um, when people try and sell goods and services, uh, they will put a deadline on it. Everybody's seen the sales pages where it'll say three days, 23 hours and 60 seconds left to buy this item or, or to take advantage of this offer. That's forcing time. They're creating a scarcity. They conjure up all types of emotions in you that, that make you want. They force you to make a decision. And whether that decision be to buy or not to buy, they force a decision from creating the construct of forced time. It's really, really important to understand because you need to un understand how people are manipulating the construct of time and your emotion. And there's nothing wrong with creating deadlines. There's nothing wrong with um, limiting your products or limiting services or only being available for a certain amount of time. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there is. Um, it's just something to be aware of. Oftentimes, a lot of students in schools will perform better on essays under the deadline and time construct of a three-hour essay than if they had two, three weeks to plan it out. 
Now, I was not one of these people, but I know many people were. They performed well under that time construct and under the, under the fact that they didn't have a lot of time to prepare. Because you have closed off the vistas of indecision and they force people to make up their minds and to get to a point. They never let them play on their excruciating terms and never gave them time. The last perception of time is end time. When a plan must be executed with speed and force, we have waited, found the moment, and must not hesitate. Now personally, I operate a lot of my life in end time. I try and execute things with speed, force, and ferocity. It's just, it's just my demeanor, it's my attitude, it's my approach to life a lot of the times. This can be bad, good, great, everything in between. I've experienced it all with, with forcing end time. But I think it works out for me, the majority of the time, much better to attack things with ferocity. Robert says, do not be one of those people who look like paragons of patience, but are actually just afraid to bring things to a close. Many of you, or maybe many people are like this. They are seemingly very patient, but they're actually, their patience breeds their timidity, breeds their, their indecisiveness because they don't have the balls or they, they don't have the guts to close a deal, to close things out. Patience is worthless unless combined with a willingness to fall ruthlessly on your opponent at the right time. Now, he says opponent, people think of an actual person as the opponent. Yeah, you can think of that in sport, we can think of that in competition, think of that in business. And we can also think about this idea of opponent, or my opponent is my life. So, patience is worthless in my life unless I combine it with the willingness to attack my opponent, to attack my life. Hopefully that makes sense wait as long as necessary for the conclusion to come but when it comes it must come quickly you speed to paralyze your opponent cover up any mistakes you might make and impress people with your aura of authority and finality your mastery of timing can really only be judged by how you work with end time how you quickly change the pace and bring things to a swift and definitive conclusion image the hawk patiently and silently it circles the sky high above all seeing with its powerful eyes. Those below have no awareness that they are being tracked. Suddenly, when the moment arrives, the hawk swoops down with a speed that cannot be defended against. Before its prey knows what has happened, the bird's vice-like talons have carried it up into the sky. Reversal. There is no power to be gained in letting go of the reins and adapting to whatever time brings. To some degree, you must guide time or you will be its merciless victim. There is accordingly no reversal to this law. Law 35, Master the Art of Timing.